You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. As priests of the Diocese of Fargo, we're hosting today Father Jason Leffer joining me, Father James Gross, from our Grand Fork Studios. We thank you for we thank those of you who are able to listen live. Whatever you're up to today, wherever you may be, especially those who are are traveling, we pray for safe travels for all of you. Um, there are a lot of people on the road. Uh, uh, with the state wrestling tournament beginning today in Fargo and, and various other events going on throughout the course of the weekend. Father Gross. Yes. You know what that reminds me of? Do you remember our days back in Cardinal Minch Seminary in Fargo, North Dakota? I do indeed. Do you remember ever walking down the hallway and looking at a distance and seeing seeing a one Gary Benz and, uh, and uh, also Was it Dan? Dan Hodel? And they were in the grips of an impassioned wrestling embrace, and that it they, was like a representation of Jacob and the angel. And, and it was in know. the it was yeah. like a cage match because they were they were locked in in the hallway, and they would wrestle and wrestle until like three hours later they would have to call a truce because they, no they'd be completely rug burned and nobody would ever come out as the victor. Yes, yes, I do have. So, uh, so that's not a fantasy. I didn't dream that up. That no, actually, no, no. It, it, that, that is that is certainly true. I do have a faint, but uh, um, but but certain uh, recollections of that having happened. No, and, and why that's so fun is because Dan yes. Hodel wrestled for the Bison, right? Yeah. And he was. I don't think he was a national champion, but he was up there. He was a pretty. I think his team won the national. Yeah, and his hometown of Purim and, was a wrestling stronghold you know, and, in Minnesota. And the young man Gary Benz, he was just a he was just a farmer's son. Who is like so I, I, realizing his dream, and one of certainly his big dreams is to join us on Real Presence Live today. <laughs> Father Gary Benz, welcome back to Real Presence Live. Good morning, guys. How are you guys doing? <laughs> doing very well, and I should say that we should be grateful that you haven't already hung up the phone. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, Father Gary, no, do I you, have the tape. <laughs> do, ahead, do, you, do you have any memories of, of what we were just talking about? Um, faintly, I remember um, being kind of like a David and a Goliath. <laughs> <laughs> so was was, was Dan? David, Hold, was he just ahead. like? Was he kind of like a, a cat just toying with his prey? Is that what you're saying? He was kind of like a bully. So no. <laughs> <laughs> now so tell the anti-bullying measures of our day. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get into the main topics that we're going to be discussing here, uh, tell us about your current assignment. You had a uh, a change of uh, location a, a few months ago, did you not? Yes, on July first, I came to Sacred Heart in Glen Allen, St. Anne's of Hebron. And then I also have a third parish. Uh, we don't get mass out there too often. It's a country parish, St. Joseph's of Grand County. Mm-hmm. So actually, I'm kind of coming back to my roots on both my mom and dad's side. The very first place we homesteaded, the Benzes, was just outside of Glen Allen. Ah, and then no my dad, kidding. My dad claims that there were too many rattlesnakes, so they re-homesteaded <laughs> by Richardson. Mm-hmm. But actually, talking to a cousin, they rehomesteaded because they wanted to be closer to the newly founded Assumption Abbey. Oh, that's beautiful. 
The, and actually, you know, less listeners would think I'm I'm mocking you. Not I, I hold you in high esteem. Actually, Father Father Gary and Father Gross and I were uh, classmates at Cardinal Mitch Seminary, and really have many fond memories. Kind of sharing sharing an inside joke there about uh, yes, our experiences yes, as young men in the seminary. Yeah, and as a seminarian for the Diocese of Bismarck, uh, Father Benz, you were um, asked to uh, continue on with your theology uh, education at uh, North American College in Rome, and so we thought you'd, this would be a, a great opportunity to visit with you because coming up here, I believe it is Tuesday of next week, the 22nd of February, there is something on the calendar called the <coughs> Feast of the Chair of St. Peter. Um, so why is it that we as Catholics have a feast day uh, for a chair? Um, what does this mean? You know, it's so funny because when people who are not Catholic, even some Catholics, when they hear about the chair of St. Peter being a feast day, it's like, well, there go those Catholics worshiping a chair. <laughs> <laughs> they worship Mary, they worship their bingo cards, and now a chair. <laughs> but, you know, what, there is actually a chair, believe it or not, in, enclosed within the beautiful reliquary, the chair of Peter by Bernini. There is a historic relic, and I believe that even though the world's Scots, that was claimed to be the, the simple wooden chair that Peter used as his assignment, his, his authority, especially for conferring sacraments, like ordinations. And so that is actually enclosed within the beautiful bronze sculpture of Bernini. But there's something deeper. You know, the Church is saying that all authority was given by Jesus Christ to St. Peter, and then hence to his successors, the popes, so that the beauty of the faith that Christ taught could still be heard and followed in our day without being corrupted, without being, you know, um, lessened or weakened, that the voice of Peter still speaks to the papacy today. So it's a chair of a, really of authority, which is why right above this beautiful bronze reliquary, the, the chair of Peter of Bernini, is that amber win, window of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides the Church through the papacy, through the Pope. But, but you know, I also believe it's the chair of, of divine love, because Peter was also given the primacy of love, as we know, after the... Post-resurrection, after the resurrection, when Christ appeared to him. You know, so it's also a primacy, teach the Church how to love in my name. So it's a chair of authority, especially on faith and morals. It's also a chair of divine love. Mm -hmm. Remember to teach the Church that as its very existence, its very existence is, at its very base, is the need to love. And so I think the chair encapsulates both of those purposes. Right. We ought to mention that, uh, on a broader sense, the word, the English word cathedral is taken from the Latin word cathedra, meaning chair. So, in a cathedral church, there is always prominence given to the uh, chair of the bishop as a physical representation of his authority, too. So, so I think, you know, because we, we Catholics, and, and, and rightly so, Father Gary, when you, you mention those, you know, like, there goes those Catholics again, they got the chair, their bingo cards, and Blessed Virgin, but... I, I think why it goes that way, because we are sacramental. Like we were talking in the earlier segment about football and the gridiron and, and kind of compared right. to liturgy. By our nature, we're, we're sacramental. And so grace always builds on nature, right? So grace builds on... So naturally, okay, okay, two fathers, tell me if you can relate to this. In my family, my grandfather 
at the kitchen table, he had a chair and he was the only one who sat in that chair. In the living room, he had a chair. That was the only chair that he sat in. And we, we little grandkids would gather around and we'd all whisper and sneak up on it and try to sit in it when he wasn't there. But if we heard him coming, we'd all scramble out of the chair. Because that's his domain. That's his domain. And, and when he would sit in that chair, exactly. whether it's at the, at the kitchen table or in the living room, we all gathered around him. We clung on him. We clung on his arms, on his legs, his knees. We'd sit in his lap. But, mm -hmm. And if that chair, and I'll never forget, like when he died, I mean, that chair remained there for a long time and nobody would sit in it. You know, and, and then I think exactly. of my own father. My own father. He has a chair at the kitchen table that he sits in. Even to this day when I go home, I don't sit in his chair. And he has a chair in the living room. And, it, and again, it's the same thing. It's like, that, that's dad's chair. That, that's dad's chair. And like, I would never dream of sitting in it. it it's like the, and and if, if that chair is empty, there's something missing in it. But when it's filled, when he's there, it's, it's like the house is complete. Or as a rural family growing up, we... We always, a big deal in our home was we didn't have supper until dad was home. If he was out in the field, we'd wait or what have you. And the meal didn't start until dad was sitting in his chair. And it was like this huge comfort, you know, this incredible comfort. Uh, can, can you two fathers, can you relate to that as well in your families? Is I'll, it similar? Yeah, or? yeah. Well, I'd like well, to toss to Father Ben's and what his reflections are of this. Well, you know, it's similar, Father Jason, um, you talk about in the home. But, you know, even in the university system, the chair of the history department, the chair of, you know, this department, they're the ones that ultimately have the final say and people respect them. You know, so it, it applies that a, a degree of respect when the Pope speaks. We believe because he occupies the chair of Peter, he deserves that same respect and obedience. It's kind of like, I like what Bishop Barron one time said in one of his um, um, homilies. You know, when you're at a game... And you're in the stands, and there's the umpire. If you call out, you know, it's a strike, you know. <laughs> you in the stands don't have the same authority as that, as that umpire, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that authority has been given by someone. So whether it's like you said, Father Jason, in the home, your dad has authority because God grants him that gift of being the father. The university system... Someone was granted that authority, and we listen to their voice because they're the chair of that department. So the Holy Spirit granted that authority still today, you know, granted by Christ and continued by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That authority, that voice is still being, is still being spoken through Peter, now Pope Francis. You know, we, Father Gary, we always talk about being ecumenical, and, you know, each one of us three priests sitting here, we've had close to 30 years now, or more than 25 years of as seminarian and, and priest, um, figuring out how to be ecumenical, how to relate to our Protestant brothers and sisters or, or to our Orthodox friends and, and different, um, you know, Christian denominations. But I, I have discovered that every one of these conversations, it always comes down to one thing. You could boil every single ec uh, mm -hmm. ec ecumenical discussion down to one thing, and that's authority. And, and I always think of the chair of St. Peter as it's a comfort. We, as Catholics, we have the comfort of the chair, meaning that everything's going to come back to that chair. We, we can speak, we can hypothesize, we can theorize, we can do all kinds of things. There's freedom to do it because it's always going to come back to the comfort of the chair. And like, it doesn't matter like, if I have a Protestant brother or sister who I'm speaking to and we have a disagreement about something, at the end of the day, it's always going to come down to who do I accept as having authority over me. And, and this is, if you don't have the comfort of the chair, 
you you don't you don't know where you belong or you become your own chair or you become like you say father gary you become the person in the stands being your own authority on on the call and that's a different game entirely yeah well, I tell you what, we're going to need to jump in here because uh, it's time to uh, step aside for a quick break. Uh, those who are just joining us, we are list- we are visiting with Father Gary Benz, a priest of the Diocese of Bismarck, as we're talking about the understanding of papal authority, the chair of St. Peter, and uh, some of the places in Rome that uh, really help uh, redound to that belief in the Church. And we'll continue this conversation on the other side of the break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet our customers' production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with today's Plan Giving Minute. Philanthropy is an expression of your generosity with the understanding that your gift to the church will make a difference. There are many ways in which you can make a gift to further God's work. Most of us are familiar with cash gifts we give regularly to Real Presence Radio. However, another way of contributing is through plan giving, which may allow you to give more than you've ever dreamed possible. The goal of plan giving is to help you plan your estate and charitable giving in a way that benefits you, your family, and our mission. There are several ways you can make these plan gifts and enjoy tax and income benefits. For more information, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. The Mustard Seed Catholic Store is South Dakota's place to purchase Catholic books, gifts, and decor. With locations in Rapid City and Sioux Falls, we are here to provide you with gifts for the Catholic occasions in your life. From baptism to First Communion, confirmation to weddings, and ordinations, we pride ourselves in having local artists share their creative talents, making rosaries, crucifixes, artwork, coffee, and books. We are located in Rapid City on Main Street, in the new Diocesan Building, or in Sioux Falls on Grange Avenue across from Costco. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. Just a reminder that our website, yourcatholicradiostation.com, is a great resource for updating yourself on programming and uh, downloading podcasts of the program if you are unable to listen to us live. That's yourcatholicradiostation.com. We're visiting with a priest of the Diocese of Bismarck, a uh, pastor in Glen Allen and Hebron and uh, rural parish, uh, St. Joseph's, or I believe you said, Father uh, Father Gary Benz. Um, yep. as, as we're talking about the feast 
of the chair of St. Peter and um, that uh, belief. So if you could just expand on something that Father Leffer and I were talking about before the break, um, what, uh, you know, what we believe uh, when it comes to not necessarily just infallibility, but the role of papal authority, why that is important for safeguarding the unity of the faithful. Well, you know, not only today, but I guess you could say throughout all of church history, there are divergent views, even within the church. I mean, there's always been, you know, discussions, debates, divisions. So the, the chair of Peter is really a unifying gift. You know, to end all divisions, discord, Peter has spoken, this is what Christ wants for his church. Remember like, that beautiful scene at the Council of Chalcedon or Chalcedon, however you want to say it, when they were arguing and they couldn't decide on the hypostatic union, how you reconcile the divinity of Christ and, you know, his humanity. Well, Pope Leo gets up and he gives his beautiful tome, and everyone said, Peter has spoken. That ended the debate, you know. Roma locuta est, causa finita est. <laughs> yes. You know, exactly. Father, Father Gary, the other one... So, the other part of that, unless people get hopeless about, like, the Pope has spoken, the, the Council of Jerusalem, when St. Paul actually called out St. Peter, and St. Peter exactly. received the admonition, the correction, and then he stood up and he spoke. So it, it's both. It's not like... it's Not, like, not just a one-way street. Exactly. There, there mm-hmm. is the collegiality, but then the comfort in the end is the Holy Father has spoken. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you bring that. You bring up a good point because that's from Galatians. But also, a little earlier in Galatians, I admire how St. Paul had already begun his missionary work. He, you know, his time in the desert in Arabia, and yet he comes up to Jerusalem to confer with Cephas or Peter, basically to say, "Am I teaching the right gospel? Is my gospel faithful, orthodox? You know, correct?" Right. You know, so he still has this. Um, this this humble submission to the chair of Peter, to Peter. But like you said, it doesn't mean that the Pope is beyond correction. I mean, look at little four-foot-ten St. Catherine of Siena <laughs> going to Avignon, France, and telling the Pope, get home get to Rome. To you know? Rome. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, Father Gary, could you help us? One of these things, one of, again, I use this word comfort because I, I, I really, it really helps me with my own struggles with authority, coming under authority, that it's actually comfort of God. But help us and our listeners understand, what, what is a motu proprio, and why, I mean, how does that work? And, and what, what's it about? And this comes straight from the chair of Peter. Well, you know, it, it basically translates into roughly, by my own authority. So the Pope is, is commenting on what he believes is necessary in the liturgical life, the spiritual life, the dramatic life. It's kind of like, um, this is where I would like to see the Church um, follow. This is, where, what, this is where I'd like the Church to follow. This is my vision for the Church in this area. You know, it doesn't grant you have the authority of, like, a Church Council, or even an encyclical, but it's still something to heed, because the Holy Father believes this is necessary for the well-being of the Church. And so there's been more appropriate on sacred, mystery, on sacred music, more appropriate is now on the traditional Latin Mass. So it's kind of like a vision of the Holy Father for the well-being of the Church. Can can one Pope's motto proprio trump another Pope's, or how, how does that work in the realm of authority? 
Well, well actually it can because this, um, if you apply a theological note to these, to these teachings, it is, you know, lower on, on hierarchy. But technically one pope could. I mean, you shouldn't because you want to not to convey like a disruption in church practice, teaching, you know. But technically you can because it's by his own authority. You can almost say it's like a exalted musing to the Pope. This is what I would like for the Church. So technically one mode proprio can cancel the other, but I would hope that the Pope still do this too often because it then just leads to confusion among Catholics. Certainly. Now, uh, for those who are just tuning in, we are visiting with Father Gary Benz, a priest of the Diocese of Bismarck, who himself had gone uh, to a major seminary in Rome. And uh, if I'm correct uh, in my recollection, there have been several times that you've been able to return on pilgrimages, perhaps taking groups or being part of groups. I would imagine this year there's going to be a large resurgence in numbers of pilgrims to some of the major sites, particularly in Rome. So one thing I wanted to ask you in particular, when we're talking about St. Peter's Basilica, um, the various uh, burial places of the popes, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the tomb of St. Peter himself, how can pilgrims uh, experience that if, uh, if they're going over there? Well, you know, in terms of like St. Peter, there's so many beautiful places in Rome to visit for on a spiritual pilgrimage. You brought up the obvious one. You know, St. Peter's Basilica is actually built on the tomb of St. Peter. And in the 1930s, when they were excavating underneath to place in the um, the tomb of Pope Pius XI, they realized that there was a whole other world underneath the crypt, the lowest level at that time. And they actually, through documents that they've had since the first century, they found the tomb of Peter, the trophy they call it because of its form or shape. But that's one of the most beautiful things. You have to actually go to your bishop, encourage all pilgrims to remember this. You can't just come... To Rome and say, I want to do the Scavi tour, the excavation tour where I can go close to the tomb of Peter. You have to usually go through your bishop, and he has to request these tickets for you. But it's very powerful when you come so close to the tomb of Peter where they actually found his bones in the excavation as well. You know, another one is just, you know, St. Peter's Basilica itself, you know, um, going around and praying in the basilica built on his on his on his tomb and on his bones. But there's also St. Peter in chains, which has the chains of Peter. He was hung upside down on his cross in, in the Vatican, yeah. and was, which was Nero's circus. You know, another one is St. John's St. John Lateran, because that actually is the Pope's cathedral. And in the high altar, a grill above the high altar, there are the skulls of St. Peter and Paul. So that's worth you know, praying in, um, at St. John Lateran before exactly. those treasured relics. You know, right. another one is the, if this one kind of is, people write it off, but I think it's powerful. The tomb, or the, the church of Domine Covade, Lord, where are you going? There's a pious tradition that Peter knew that he had to die in Rome during the time of Nero's persecution. He said, see you later, you know. <laughs> kind of the impetuous Peter, he decided to book it out of Rome. And then he met Jesus on the way. He appeared to him. And he said, Lord, where are you going? And he said to die once again, you know, basically suffering with the suffering church. And then Peter did a U-turn, went back to Rome and was crucified. 
But on the outskirts of Rome, there's the Church of Quovati. Another one another... is the, the Catholic Oh, I want to throw one in there because nobody ever knows about this, and I only know about it because at one point I was the pastor of Saints mm-hmm. Nerus and Achilles, which is in uh, Nietzsche, North Dakota. Mm-hmm. But there is yep. there is a basilica in Rome, Saints Nerus and Achilles, and the reason it got established is very ancient. It got established because it houses the bandage that fell off of Peter's leg as he was leaving Rome on his way to Quo Vadis. and it's it's exactly. the one place where they have the original. The original um, paintings of how all twelve apostles were were martyred, and it's only open three months out of the year, and that's oh, in the summer months. Exactly. And it's a traditional wedding chapel in oh, Rome. So okay. I've actually yeah. been there and got, got to see. Right. It, so so. The, the, they also have the depiction of Saint Bartholomew holding his flayed <laughs> skin, skin as he's <laughs> that, that's another one that uh, just stands out. But uh, yeah, just to briefly talk about uh, Father Ben's how ancient cities like Rome, it can be hard for us to relate to that there's in a sense a whole city underneath the city, not just with regard to catacombs, but with the archaeological digs and when a place has been occupied for so many centuries. You know, just what that experience is like to live in and visit a place like that. Well, you know, you're right, because you bring up the catacombs. You know, the catacomb of St. Callistus is where many of the first popes of the Church are buried. Most of them were martyrs. But like you said, Father James, Rome is a unique city because unlike in our era, where we destroy something and just send it off to the rubble pile, they actually built on top of things and started over. So the excavations are powerful because you can go layer by layer in our faith to the earliest days of the Church. Like another one, it's not related to the papacy, but if you ever want to see a powerful one in that regard, the Church of San Clemente, you know, you can go layer by layer to one of the earliest house churches of Rome, you know, prior from the first century. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the beauty is there's a whole world underneath Rome, and the Christians kind of preserved it by just burying it, you know? And now we are able to see you know, early baptisteries, early tombs, um, you know, the chapels, house churches. So it's, it's just very really powerful because you realize how deep and old our faith is. You know, in the United States, we define something as old as, wow, that's from the last century. <laughs> and, and you know, so we're going back into some of these excavations, which are almost 2,000 years old. It's, it's just a powerful reminder how deep and ancient our faith is. That's right. So I hope and, when people go to Rome, they... They make sure that they go to some of these excavations as well. And San Clemente also houses uh, St. Cyril, the brothers St. Cyril Methodius, who we just celebrated mm-hmm. on February 14th. Right, People right. know it as St. Valentine's Day, but it's actually St. Cyril Methodius. <laughs> There's an encyclical yeah. about them, actually. We, we could go on and on about this. Sadly, our time is running short. Father Ben, thank you so much for joining us. Um, this has been a real treat. We'll have to do it again sometime soon. Blessings to you and your ministry. God bless you both, and we'll see you at our 25th anniversary of ordination. Amen. Yes, there will be an invite coming your way. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All righty. Well, up next, what does the Eucharist mean for us as Catholics? We'll dive into this topic with our neighboring bishop from Crookston, Minnesota, Bishop Cousins. Stay with us as we begin that conversation after the break. You're listening to Real Presence Live. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 